Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Naeem Fazel Podcast. This is Vinny here. I'm with Naeem. How's it going, Naeem? Going good, my friend. It is good to be back. I'm, and I'm ready to tell you what, I'm pretty pumped about these sessions we're going to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're starting something new on the podcast today. Um, it's dark room sessions is what I believe, Naeem, you are calling these uh, interviews. Or Can you give us a little bit of like, before we get into it, what, what, are, we, what are we starting here? What are we doing? Oh, yeah. First of all, what are we what are we doing? I have no idea. I don't even know what we're doing with the podcast, honestly. But I did have an idea about like instead of me just rambling on about different topics, I wanted to interview some of my f- friends who are in uh, spiritual leadership and these guys are just young voices that really are speaking and shaping the future of the church. And yeah, these sessions are called uh, dark room sessions because it's like the dark room of of a photographer, right? It's where you know, a photographer takes like, or used to take, I would say used to, this is all used to stuff because there's technology. I don't even know that they have dark rooms anymore. <laughs> you would know more than I would, right? I, yeah, yeah. I, but I have a camera that literally just syncs it right to my iPhone. So I'm not really spending too much room in the dark room. <laughs> you are in a dark room working on your I, computer. It's still dark. I could turn my studio into a dark room. It is. I've seen it. It's dark. <laughs> it's just black walls and black floor. <laughs> well, that would be dark, right? Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> um, yeah, but the, the idea is like the, in the dark room, uh, things get developed. And so I think it's um, leadership really gets developed. Your character gets developed in the, just the dark times in our lives. And so these conversations about are about these leaders talking about, you know, some of the, dark, the things they struggle with and how God has developed them. And so my first guest is actually Joel Mudamale. Yeah, say that a couple of times. Uh, <laughs> he is Indian and I... I, I don't have a problem with that. I'm Pakistani, and uh, there's there's been like this tension you know, with our countries. It's still happening, but um, yeah, I mean, interviewing him, he talks about this. Uh, he talks about a lot of great things. So yeah, awesome. Well, I'm excited to to listen to it as well. We're gonna throw it to that interview right now. So stay tuned and enjoy. All right, friends, we are here again with a buddy of mine, Joel Mudamale. And uh, man, I'm really looking forward uh, to this conversation, bro. Yeah, thank you for having me, Naeem. It's amazing. All right, so tell our listeners uh, who you are, man. Who you are and what you do in this capacity right now. I mean, I know you're busy working on all kinds of things, trying to get all the degrees in the world, apparently. (laughs) Right? I mean, you already Um, know all about it. I mean, so if people could see us right now, I don't think they can see us. They'd be like, huh, y'all look kind of like your brothers. You look like you, you could be brothers. Oh, yeah. Um, Hold up. Oh, Oh, you put the glasses on. (laughs) Hey. Uh, So I am uh, Indian. Uh, Naeem is Pakistani. Um, There's so much that could, the whole podcast could could be said on how We have to do one of those, yes. We will someday about, uh, I mean, this is proof right now that the gospel is bigger than ethnic, (laughs) racial, um, angry divides amongst people groups. And so- Yeah, uh, hey, fun fact though, really quick, is that I cannot, as a Pakistani, get a visa to go to India. Right. Forbidden, just because I'm Pakistani. Right, it's horrible. It's horrible. You know, uh, and there's still fight over Kashmir. Is that right? Like- Oh, it's still still happening. It's still happening. Either Kashmir or a dish or cricket. Yeah, or cricket. (laughs) So it's funny. I, I was watching some stand-up comedy the other day, uh, and in the stand-up comedy bit, the, the, this guy 
uh, Hassan Minhaj, he 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 did this thing about Kashmir because he's Pakistani as well. Yeah. And uh, he he's like he had to blur it out on the T, and he's like, yeah, the the Indian government <laughs> said that we can't show you where Kashmir is because there's such a debate and fight between <laughs> India and like he, they would get sued. So I just mean, so you know, on a Netflix TV show, like like this is this is real the, stuff. This is real stuff. This is no joke. Um, so anyways, uh, I am, um, a husband, uh, my wife, Brittany and I have been married for over 10 years. Uh, she's white. I'm Indian. We've got, uh, three little boys under the age of 10. And then we welcomed a year ago, uh, on Valentine's day, a little baby girl, uh, Amelia Jane. And so oh. we're, uh, we're, it's just, it's, I'm, I'm putty in the hands of that little girl. Oh, so, wow. Are you going to keep on going? No, 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 no. We're done. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's it. We got the girl and and uh, and we're good. I was ready for uh, a basketball team of boys, but uh, God decided to continue my sanctification process by giving me uh, a little girl. And so that's awesome. Man. But you know all about that. You know all about. All right. That. So what are you doing right now? What, what and and what capacity do you lead right now? Yeah, so I serve as director of theology and research at Proverbs 31 Ministries, and I work directly for a gal named Lisa Turkhurst. Uh, Lisa is a New York Times bestselling author. Her new book, uh, Forgiving What You Can't Forget, um, actually, she was just on Good Morning America yesterday, uh, kind of talking about that book. And um, it's really a, a, a look at forgiveness. How, how do we think about forgiveness and what is a believer's role in, in forgiveness and participation in it. And so my role in the ministry and with Lisa's books is to present kind of the biblical theological framework. Um, I bring oversight to theological development and research. Um, so this includes book projects, Bible study projects, um, things that we do in the ministry, like First Five, which is an app that has millions of downloads at this point. And we just go through books of the Bible and, uh, and go verse by verse and walk through the text. And so that's a big part of my job. And then I'm a PhD candidate. Uh, I just finished chapter three uh, of my dissertation. And wow. so um, I've got two more, two more chapters left uh, and then I will be done. And so I've spent a lot of time, Naeem, in formal theological education, undergrad, master's, THM, PhD. Um, I did a, a short stint where I got a master's degree in organizational psychology, which was uh, just, I don't know why I did that, but I did. So I've got- What is wrong with you? <laughs> I've got a secular, a secular degree, uh, quote unquote in that sense. Um, and then I love the local church. And so I'm on the preaching and teaching team at Transformation Church with our friend uh, Derwin Gray. And I like to think of myself as an honorary member of Mosaics uh, preaching and teaching team. Oh yeah, you are. Okay, good. You are. Can we I, just drop Derwin the honorary? Is, that, yeah, well, funny is I, uh, Derwin uh, DM me or whatever, last time you spoke, he was like, are you trying to, are you trying to take Joel? Uh, like, <laughs> he come on your staff as a teaching pastor? And I was like, hey, you know. It's like, we can hey. share. Yeah. Yeah. So that's awesome, man. That's awesome. So in these sessions, uh, we're talking about conversations about the deep work that God has done to de kind of develop us in, in a dark room, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I think uh, it's, what I like to do is I want to have a conversation about things that maybe leaders might not talk about. They're like, you know, they're it's it's vulnerable conversations about what god is done to develop us and, uh, mm -hmm. and i think we don't uh leaders don't talk much about that i mean even in conferences when people do talk about it it's so crazy because you're among peers and you want to come across like it's always like the disney version of the story does that mm -hmm. make sense Lo? Mm -hmm. like 
So everything just kind of ties together at the end. And this is the lesson learned and, and all that. So if we could just get a little raw on like some of the questions that, um, you know, we want to talk about, that would be awesome, man. I think you're yeah. the perfect guy for it because I think you're, you're an open book and um, that's where we're friends. So let me hit you with the first one. Um, so going, getting into ministry now, now, so if I do the math, how long you, have you been in, I guess, church work or ministry work? What uh, would that be like? That's so hard to 10? tell. Like, yeah, yeah. 15, I would say for sure. Um, if you include, you know, I've been serving in the local church since I was a high school kid, leading worship yeah. and, and, and serving in that. And so it's more than that uh, included that, but since college for sure. So I, I would say uh, 15 is a good number. Okay. So in those 15 years, is there something that you thought you would never struggle with, but you have? Yeah. You, you know, I really, I think I'm a confident individual. Like I, mm-hmm. I think my parents raised me to be confident. I think my, um, that it's a big quality in the Indian culture as well of, of confidence and assurance and kind of knowing, knowing who you are. And the thing I never really thought I was talking to a friend the other day is being Indian in uh, America is a real unique situation. And, and you can probably comment on this a little bit, Naeem. I, I felt like I was never white enough for all of my white friends, but I was mm-hmm. never black enough for all of my black friends. And with all of my Asian kind of Korean Chinese friends, they kind of had their own kind of subgroup. And so yeah. I kind of was like, man, where do I fit? And where, what is my role in all of these kind of groups? And um, I'd never thought that that would be a ongoing struggle for me. But I do think even in ministry, like I think today we could say, well, how many Indians or Pakistanis do you know that are in the public forefront in, in ministry that are writing books and preaching and teaching and doing that kind of stuff? And I think we would say, I don't know that we would be able to name, you know, more yeah. than five or, or 10. You and I maybe, because we know the guys that are in, in ministry. But Dude, not I at that come level. Up with 10. Yeah, I mean, right? So so for me, yeah. it's always this nagging feeling of like, what is my role? Like, like wh- where do I fit? Um, God, how do you how do you want to use me? And I think ultimately it goes into an identity kind of crisis issue. And I really didn't think I'd have to struggle with that. I really thought like, you know, when you read scripture and you're like, oh, you find your identity in Christ. And the amount of times that Paul uses the phrase in Christ in the New Testament. And, and I can do all the theology with us really quickly yeah. and unpack that. But I think there's a big gap between the theological truth that you know that your identity is in Christ to the application of that truth in your everyday social spheres of existence with the reality that not everybody looks like you. They don't think like you. They don't have the same backgrounds as you. Like they didn't have to um, literally spray their clothes before they had to go to high school so that their clothes didn't smell like curry because you're Mm. worried that somebody might be you know, obnoxious to you because they don't yeah. understand those types of things, which is ironic today because the number one thing that people ask me after I get done preaching or teaching or whatever is like, hey, where's your favorite Indian food spot? And I'm like, man, where were you in high school when I was hiding <laughs> that I ate Indian <laughs> Indian food, right. you know? Um, so I think that would be one of those things that it's just, I never thought that I'd have to really struggle with that as an ongoing struggle, but it, it is something um, that I just have to deal with, you know? Um, so- so how would you explain that in terms of like, so it's not, I mean, and I totally understand, but, but for our listeners, I mean, we've talked about this kind of this before, but it's not insecurity. It's not feeling that you're not enough. It's not identity in terms of, 
you know, your relationship with God, what is it? Yeah, I think it has more to do with your identity as it relates to other people and lots of other people. So if there's a puzzle and we put the puzzle together, the beauty of the puzzle is whenever you you put it together and you're like, that's the place where that puzzle goes, right? Yeah. But if you ever tried to fit a puzzle piece into a spot that it's not supposed to go, but you force it anyways, yeah. you might be able to force it, but the edge is going to be all jacked up. You know, yeah. it's going to be bent out of shape, whatever. And I think that is the tension of sometimes trying to figure out your role, uh, your life uh, as a puzzle piece intersecting with other people and other people groups and other social settings that um, it's not a perfect fit. And when you try to force it together, something is getting jacked up. And typically it's not the other person, like, like larger majority society, typically it's the individual who's trying to fit into that cultural norm that that edge gets burnt out or that edge gets bent in, in a way. And yeah. there's a compromise that you're trying to figure out, okay, how do, I, how do I do this? So I think it's the tension point in between the relationships. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. I mean, it's totally, I mean, I've felt that viscerally. Um, I think part of it, wouldn't you agree? Part of it is that Christianity, uh, at least for me coming from Muslim background, you know, was conveyed uh, in a lot of amazing ways, but one of the ways was this idea of fellowship and community. And so as I entered into getting to know the church and, and getting to know this culture in the U S and church in the U S um, Christianity really became like the, the community, like it was a mm -hmm. focus on community. And so this idea of community is like, you are, you, you are one people, either you have fellowship with one another. And so um, unfortunately, you know, there is, it's, it's, it's incomplete, right? Wouldn't you say, because it's the, the church is not, or the, the gospel is not just a sense of, of, getting into community it's uh it's about transformation and yeah. so when the church is all all becomes about community it it on the bad side of it it can get into being part of a club like everybody is supposed to fit together mm -hmm. and so you kind of lose the idea of like well, the church is actually supposed to be a transformational change not a communal change in a sense in the culture yeah so i don't, I don't know i find myself going okay okay I think I'm just going to always wrestle with that, right? Yeah, and I think I think the, the biblical text points to it. Acts chapter 2, when uh, Pentecost, when these tongues of fires come and all the yeah. people begin to speak, like go and read Acts chapter 2. There's a real distinct um, sentence where it says, and all the, all the people, which represent the nations, heard the gospel in what? Their own tongues. Right. So the Spirit of God doesn't um, present one language that would probably have meant that everybody has to transform to one kind of homogeneous understanding, but the spirit right. of God actually diversifies and yeah. understanding the gospel in their own native tongues. I think this is super important because what this means is that this new community of, of God, this new family of God, it's a place where you walk into that celebrates your diversity and your ethnic background. Those things are not obliterated in the family of yeah. God. And yet sometimes it's easier to ask people to check A, B, C, and D parts of who they are at the door because it yeah. might be more comfortable in this kind of community gathering or setting. But that really goes like antithetical. It, it goes against the way that Paul understood the local church, the way that he talks about planting the church. Um, you can read in first, second Thessalonians and um, the book of Ephesians. There is this sense that transformational happens when you do the hard work work. Right. 
of of celebrating, understanding, yeah. and hearing other people from other backgrounds. Um, and I think honestly, most people just don't want to do that. Like it's it's yeah. exhausting for me sometimes, you know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. For and sure. So I have to have sure. a motivation to want to do that. Yeah, and I think going back to your initial uh, example of like you know, growing up. I mean, the thing is, is like you know when you're like us in a sense, the first thing is you just don't want to you just want to fit in. So whatever you got to do to fit in, you fit in, you know? Yeah. And so people even use language like that, you know, churches use, oh, you fit with us or, you know, find your fit or whatever. And right. Finding your fit really means mold to what we are and get in here. Right. Like you don't belong, you fit. Yeah. Belonging is you don't, it's like family, family belongs. Yeah. They sometimes don't fit together at all. Yeah. Ain't that the truth? Yeah. So, um, so you, do you like okay so 15 years in you still feel like all of a sudden oh my gosh i'm the i feel weird right now i mean you you're surrounded by um uh, you know people who love you you're surrounded with a, and you have a lot of influence um and you're like you know you're obviously i mean changing the world you're change you're you're shaping the future of christianity but in the midst of that you feel like what am I doing? Yeah. Or don't fit? Still? Yeah, yeah still. Uh, and I think it might just be something I have to, uh, I was thinking about this the other day. I think it's just a humbling reality. It's just, it's like, when I think about 15 years ago and where I was, I would never in my wildest dreams think I'd be sitting here having this conversation with you, working on the projects I get to work on and doing the things mm -hmm. for, the, for the gospel that I, that I get to do. And now that I think about it, I think it was God's mercy that would not allow me to know <laughs> what was ahead. Yeah. I had to focus on fundamental character, integrity, yeah, growing sure. things that this would have been a distraction for oh. Joel 15 years ago, you know? Yeah. And so I have to, at the same time, be like, all right, Lord, like, I think there's something here that you're, you're allowing me to continually feel this. And I don't see it. I have to choose not to see it as a sign of God's distrust in me or that he's being harmful towards me, but it's a sign of his mercy and his care because his past faithfulness has to inform that he will continue to be faithful in the future. Yeah. I love it, man. Uh, let me ask you this. Do you feel ever like there are, uh, feel not that it's truth in a sense, but feel like people are like waiting for you to get over that? Uh, yeah like uh, as in like uh it's not that bad jill just just what are you talking about yeah i think people feel like any i think the other I, honestly i don't know if it's that they feel like it i think they just they don't expect me to to feel it in the first place like like i think this is this is the tragedy of instagram <laughs> this is the tragedy of social media that we can present the most confident beautifully filtered picture to the world and behind the scenes all four of my children are losing their flipping minds my dogs yeah. are barking my wife is yelling at me like i've got six projects i've got to do but you know what that picture is about to get some likes like <laughs> i know that picture is going to get some likes and right. when i present it to the world I'm, I, it's almost like I've in a weird way enforced this idea. Like you still struggle with that. Like you still like, look, your picture is, is it's, it's picture perfect. And, um, and that's just not, not the way it is. So I think that there is this other, this other issue at play. And then the, my wife and I recently had this conversation. She does, um, she's a brilliant like reels maker on Instagram. I don't know if you've ever seen any of her. I have. It's awesome. She's hilarious. She's hilarious. 
Um, yeah. And as her influence has grown, she she was really upset the other day because somebody really came after her, like the trolls, you know, in, in the direct yeah. messages. And we're having this conversation. And, and here's something that I think, and this is what I, I didn't, another thing I didn't expect to happen to me. I never expected that at one point in time, at a specific point in time, people would shift from viewing me as a person to a product. And here's, here's what happens huh. when you view a person no longer as a person who has emotions and feelings and a history and a background. And, um, and, and like, if you prick them, they will get hurt. Like when you, yeah. you no longer view them like that, but you view them as a, what I've got in front of me is an ember mug, an ember, an ember coffee mug that keeps my, my coffee always hot at a certain degree. Well, uh, I could say today that the battery on this thing is not working and I'll just be like, this ember mug sucks. Like it's garbage. Like yeah. I don't know why I would ever, right? So, but the problem is that there's no person attached to this ember mug, which gives me the right almost to just talk however I want, like maliciously about this inanimate object. The problem is we've done that with people that are ministry leaders that have platform, that have influence, oh, yeah. and we've turned them into products, which is actually given license to be mean and hateful oh, yeah. and hurtful. And oh, I'm like, yeah. yo, you realize that, we're all just human beings. We're just trying to do our best here. And I'm just right. trying to live out the calm that God has called me to. And I make mistakes. Like I'm a broken human being. Uh, and yet, you know, people view me like, like I'm a, a pair of Nike shoes, like Jordan retro ones. You either love them or you hate them, you know? So you <laughs> yeah. discard them if you don't like them. And if you love them, you're going to talk about them all the time. And that's right. kind of what happens with us. I never in my wildest dreams thought that that would be something that I would have to deal with. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, who talks about this idea of um, the honoring the human presence, the, the, you know, the thou versus the it. Yeah. Where uh, we, when we think of uh, people as goods and services, you know, rendered. Yeah. And so honoring the human presence is such an art form or such a, I mean, Jesus did it so well, you know, in, in his interactions with people. Um, so let me ask you this. I mean, in light of what you've shared here, so darkroom sessions, right? In a sense of what are some tough things that God said, hey, I need you to face this. Like, I need you to work on this. I need you, you know, when's the last time, one, do you remember a time where you heard God say something or were challenged by God and you're like, no, nah, I don't want to do this. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 like, I yeah, I know exactly. I know exactly the, it was a seven year stretch of my life where I was working um, for a company and uh, I traveled all over the, like I was, I was doing about 130,000 air miles a year, you know, oh, um, working with the, the who's who's of ministry leaders, the names, like it, it was on the outside, it seemed like the dream job, you know, but on the inside, I felt like I was dying. <laughs> consistently huh. on two levels. One, it took a toll on my family. You know, uh, at that point, Britt and I were married just a couple of years in and Liam was born, Levi, she was pregnant with Levi. Uh, Levi was born, Lucas was born towards the end of that stint. And so here's my poor wife basically managing three kids under the age of seven, you know, wow. by herself while I'm traveling um, just an insane amount. And yet I look at that season. And the other problem was, is like, I was always in those seasons. I was very much the background, just, I was just in the background. 
you know, okay. like, like I had a, I had a, I had a role to play and in my role, I was great at that role, but it wasn't what I felt like the Lord had was going to call me to, but those open doors weren't there. Like it, this just seemed to be my lot kind of in life. And so hmm. I remember when I had hit the, um, probably the epitome of my career, I was working for a Bible software company and I get up on the stage and I do this like seven minute presentation and everybody goes, Ooh, ah, they love the Bible software. Uh, and then I'm like, you know, I'm done. And I get off the stage and people run to the booth and they, and they, and they buy the Bible software. And I did this event. It was called women of faith. And I did an arena event. I mean, this is the epitome of my, of my career. People dream for this opportunity, 10,000 women, just like in this arena event where NBA players are playing basketball, you know, and, the, and I hit my joke, dude, and they are laughing. I show pictures of my kids. They are crying. They're so cute. Like I know I had crushed in that moment, but Naeem, when I walked off that stage, I felt the deepest sense of loneliness that I'd ever experienced. And it didn't make sense because here I am living to the epitome of what I thought my career was going to be succeeding at the front level of of everything. And, And the Lord had just told me like, be faithful. In, in this moment, like be faithful, mm. there's something happening. And now when I look back on it, I see that God gave me a, a time period where I had to learn how to research. I had to learn how to use tools to get to biblical truth in the most effective and efficient ways to help other people. But ultimately, those are the very same things that I'm doing right now, right? Yeah. And yeah. I had to be able to learn how to communicate. In a, in a five minute, seven minute, 10 minute or 12 minute uh, scenario and do it without like even thinking about it. Like I just had to like, just, just, just crush that. You know, it's like a yeah. basketball player shooting free throws, just muscle memory. And I look back on that, I go, oh my goodness, the Lord was, was crafting and creating and, and he mm-hmm. put me almost in this hyper uh, environment to grow uh, in, in a maturity level in these areas that I would have had never had the opportunity in any other space to do it. And yet those were dark. Like when you talk about the photographer in the dark room, like I felt like that was my, my dark room, you know, mm-hmm. um, because it, I just always felt like, is this it? Like, is this what my life is supposed to be? And I think what that shows to me today is how short-sighted we often are with human history and with our own history and our own life. We think in terms of like minutes and hours and days and maybe months. And if you're super spiritual, maybe years. And I think God is looking and thinking from Genesis through like when Jesus returns the second time, not a suffering yeah. servant, but as ruling and reign, reigning king of heaven and earth. And yeah. we have a role to play in that. And that just changes our entire mindset of what our role is in human history. Yeah. So true, man. So true. So, I mean, that brings me up to my last kind of question. And uh, I think you kind of just already set it up. Like, so why do you still do this? You know? Yeah. Why do you still, um, um, why do you still do this? And I'll just throw in some more as another extra for you because you're so good at this is that um, is there any new things that you like uh, are facing right now you're learning from like new challenges? But I definitely want want you to answer the why do this, man? Because I mean, you and I have had conversations. I mean, in light of um, the, the past two years, I mean, of what's going on, at least in the U.S., um, you know, there've been moments of like, what are we doing? Why are we even doing this? You know, people mm-hmm. have lost their flipping minds. Uh, um, you know, I want to leave. Like, I, you know, I wrote a book called Ex Muslim. I want to write a book called Ex Christian now. <laughs> You know, yeah. like so. Yeah. Uh, why do Why do you keep doing it? 
Did that make sense? I know there were a couple. It does. There. I mean, that's that's we got part two for the podcast. If you know for the podcast, yeah. I mean, that's like a whole thing in itself. I would say I'll give you like the Bible answer, and then I'll give you like the very raw answer. I would say the Bible answer is because I know that God has called me to it. And I know okay. that if I ran away from it, it would be an act of disobedience. And I've already done that in my life and it didn't work out real well, you know? Okay. So like, I'm not trying to walk around with a limp like Jacob for the rest of my life. Like, I, you know, I'm trying to play basketball with my kids. I'm not trying to um, just get shown up by them. Um, but, but there is something real about that. Like, just like, okay, I know God has called me to this. And so I want to be obedient. I want to, I want to yeah. practice o- obedience here. Um, and then the other, like, I think more practical, just like, why do I do it? It's because um, I'm, I'm very well aware that sometimes the loudest voices get the most press and publicity and space in the minds of humans and individuals in their mm. formation. So what do I mean by that? Um, I mean that you could have like your content could be illogical. It could be straight up hazardous and harmful to an individual. But if you're the loudest voice or you're the most creative or you're, you're just doing the reels and everybody's laughing, like those things are forming people to, to mm. a type of person. And one of the things that I feel like God has really convicted me on is like, mm. we have to be a people that are formed by God's word and by theology and right doctrine so that we can rightly understand wisdom that comes from above versus wisdom that comes from below. This is James chapter three. Mm. The wisdom that comes from below is ultimately going to lead us to self-gratification and self-glorification. And that means I will do whatever it takes in order to get ahead in life. And if that means I got to cut my mama, I'll do it. If that means means yeah. I gotta, like say sorry to my family and just like leave them behind me like I, I will do like we will do whatever it takes for our self-elevation but the wisdom that comes from above um, is a type of wisdom that looks foreign to the world because yeah. it says I'm actually going to do whatever it takes for the betterment of another human I'm going to actually live and embody the life of Jesus in my life. And so here's the problem. That doesn't sell. <laughs> like, that's not the thing. It's like, oh, that's yeah. going to go viral on Instagram and get shared 50 billion times. Like, you know, yeah. like, that's just not going to happen. But if that is something that gets shared five times yeah. and five people watch it and their lives are transformed, I have to believe that there's an exponential compound impact of the gospel that is going to be multiplied throughout human lives. Um, and this is what how the first century church in Acts, like this is how they grew, right? They didn't yeah. have Instagram. They didn't have a, a fat Facebook ad budget in order to do promoted posts and all this other yeah. stuff. They had their human life that was their marketing. <laughs> they yeah. had their human life, which was their their embodiment and their proof that Jesus was who he said he was and that they were going to live and even die based off of that. And so I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to join a long history of faithful and, and many of them unnamed. Like we will never know, you know? And it's very yeah. kind of you to say to me, like, you know, that, that I'm, I'm shaping um, part of what the faith looks like. And, and, and if God decides to use me, that's amazing. But I'm also happy to be one of those people in Hebrews that, that goes through the list of, you know, this is yeah, just the others. unnamed, the others, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that's just as good. Like, like that's okay. So that's a long about way of saying, you know, still obedience, but also like, I just can't stand it that it's the loudest voice that gets all the publicity and the press. And I'm like, there's other voices. And these other voices that are reflective of the gospel are the ones that, that hearts need to hear. Well, man, I'm so glad you said that, man. Thank you for being so real about it because I, 
uh, I think that is a great, I mean, it's, it's convicting for me to, uh, just to hear you say that because I can fall into the trap of like, no one gives a rip. Like no one cares about this. Like, right. you know, you put your heart and soul into like a, a thought and you're like this, people need to understand the depth of this. People need to, and then no one freaking likes it. Right. You know, compared to, you know, what you want. And you're like, and then you put up, put up a stupid dog doing something, you know, and or or something like just, I don't know, from the past, you know, just something that people are like, yeah, yes, this is awesome. And then, or you'll see someone post something, you're like, um, going back to this whole idea of you being, are you seeing that uh, people uh, think you're a commodity? I think that's part of the reason why the gospel or Jesus is so insta famous is because he's become a product mm -hmm. um, and the, or you sell it like a product. And so that's why people will say things like, well, Jesus didn't work for me because it was like a product and because it was sold like a product. And I think that is really great, a great answer because I think you're right. Uh, unfortunately, the reason why the world knows about Jesus is um, the world knows him as a product to try yeah. because it sells more. But then, but when you talk about like the Jesus who is calling you to leave everything and change your life and, um, you know, take one for the team all every day, all day, right. That kind of Jesus, we just don't want, you know, we want the guy who bench presses. We want the guy who, you know, like I talked about, um, there's recently this John Wayne Jesus yeah. idea yeah. or John Vick, I should say, yeah. Jesus, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, we love that. Right. You know, we just absolutely love that. But um, but it doesn't seem to be it, I don't know if Jesus would get any likes, honestly, if he started posting stuff. No, nah, I mean, like Jesus got crucified. <laughs> like like uh, if that tells us anything, like I think like I think it's it's apples to apples there. But I think you make a really good point, Naeem. And, and here's the here's the problem is when Jesus becomes a product is in the same way I put on a, pair, a new pair of Nikes. And I'm like, ah, it's too tight. Like right. I'm gonna return it. Right. That's what we do with our faith with Jesus. Like, uh, mm, this doesn't fit my, you know, but what yeah. the gospel and what you just said it, what the gospel calls us to is not to um, make the gospel fit them, but that we would be transformed into a vessel, into a vehicle, into a people yeah. that fit the, the requirements of the gospel. Yeah. It's a totally different way of thinking, but that is harmful. Like that is painful. That requires yeah. a sacrifice from you and I. And yeah. I mean, honestly, I think many of us, and this is me, like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go through the pain of sanctification. I think there's a reason why the picture of sanctification is the picture of fire being refined. Like, yeah, let's, yeah. Just, let's just dissect that imagery for just a second. We're talking about molten heat fire that is uh that is uh, purifying <laughs> and, and and removing impurities like this is not a pretty picture right no, it's a no. picture of pain and process and and uh and uh extremes that yeah. is necessary to get to the beauty that's on the opposite side and so um that's really where the gospel uh yeah um, calls us to but again like this ain't gonna get five billion shares right now yeah you know? yeah it's like, yeah. what? I gotta you know what? do something? <laughs> yeah, it's funny because I, I actually thought of this, uh, these sessions, darkroom sessions. They started with the idea of green room sessions. And I was like, oh, this is what happens in the green room before, you know, as leaders. And then I thought, the green room is full of bull. 
is the green room is where you actually go ahead and tell them, bro. Go ahead and tell them. That is where you sit down with other leaders and you talk about how amazing you are in a very classy, uh, subversive, um, um, uh, passive aggressive way. I'm like, no, I don't want to do green room sessions. They're bull crap. No. But the there's this allure. Room. There's this allure around the green room. Like, right. hey, I wonder, it's a it's a conference. Can you think I can right. sneak into the VIP green exactly. room and say hi to the speakers? Yes. And I'm like, why? You're just going to walk into a bunch yeah. of bull. Like, <laughs> everybody's posturing, every, you know, and yeah. it's like, it's not worth it, honestly. Yeah. No, the, the honey peanuts, room. the honey roasted peanuts in the green room, those are worth it. <laughs> those are worth honey, it. Those, those are, are worth, worth it. it. But the funny thing is, 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 is I would say this, I'm, I'm more likely to act like that in the green room. Yes, me too. So I'm going to do that. But in the dark room, there's no one there. So except uh, Jesus, you know, and the spirit of God doing the work. So, man, bro, this has been an amazing session. I know we could talk forever because we do. Um, it took us like 20 minutes to actually start this thing. Right. Uh, but, okay, so really quick, thank you so much for this. We will definitely do a Pakistani pa Indian rant. Uh, on uh, American Christianity, yeah, um, that would be fun. But uh, how, okay, how can people uh, know you, get to know you, find you, all that stuff? Yeah, so uh, the majority of my teaching and stuff happens on Instagram. So you can just follow me at at Mudamali, M U D D A M A L L E. There's not many of us around, so you should be able to find it. And then um, I've got some teaching courses and some free studies. I did an entire um, nine-week in-depth study through the book of Amos, which talks yes. about justice and um, all that. I think the, some of the Mosaic uh, fam kind of yeah. did that as well with uh, yeah. with me live. And I turned that into a free course. And so if you just go to mutamali.com and hit the courses button, you'll see all the different types of courses that I've got available. And uh, in terms of teaching stuff, I, I regularly am on the Proverbs 31 Ministries podcast and on the First Five app. Um, doing weekend teachings so those are the places where we're awesome awesome man and i think you're up to speak pretty soon at mosaic right or i'm looking at the calendar here i think in june you're up in yeah. june it's coming that's yeah that's coming up that's awesome all right brother thank you we're signing out thanks guys later man that was awesome and that conversation was so good so good yeah yeah i mean I, I love this guy and you know and uh i'm so glad that he took the time to reshare this and um yeah it's eye-opening isn't it the conversation it really about, yeah really really is man i mean you think about just you know the struggle of not fitting in not being enough all that is something that you know you deal with but then you think about like you know people that are in leadership roles also have these struggles and these thoughts and it's just you don't think about that as much. You know what I mean? You don't, you don't think about yeah, people don't. in that position. Yeah, you don't. So I'm super glad. I hope this has been helpful to people, you know, so. For sure. For sure. Well, thank you guys for uh, tuning in. We're going to have a few more of these episodes. We're going to do a, a full season on this. And so we're looking forward to it. Uh, if you enjoyed today, share this with somebody. You could subscribe to our podcast. You can check out naimfazl.org. And uh, also Sunday mornings, you can uh, tune in live to mosaicchurch.tv. And um, we are looking forward to some more darkroom sessions. So, Naeem, thank you for today. Hope you have yeah, a good man. day, man. Talk All to right, you soon. All right, guys. See ya.